Okay. Guys, we're in Lesson 25. We're going to look at the last part of Romans chapter 14. We have three more lessons, three more weeks of studies to do here, uh, and then we'll be done. But today we're going to look at Lesson 25. We're going to talk about the issue of meat. Remember I told you last week when we talked about it, we talked about different levels of maturity and the struggle that exists between believers from somebody who's maybe weak in their faith or immature and somebody who's mature in their faith. And he was talking about eating it may be okay for one person, but it may not be for another person. Well, he's going to get a little bit more specific now in these verses, verses 13 through 23. And he's going to talk about the issue of eating meat offered to idols. Now, you might be saying, well, that's really not a problem. But what we're going to talk about is how this relates to questionable issues that we face today. Because there are questionable issues. You might feel that you have the freedom to do one thing, but another Christian might look at that and say, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. That's wrong. And there's not necessarily a scriptural thing that tells you not to do that. So, let's talk today, let's look together, first of all, verse 13, chapter 14, and and see what the Apostle is saying here. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure but it is evil for a man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith For whatever is not from faith is sin. Okay, so we're going to look, we're going to take these verses, we're going to kind of basically divide them into three sections, okay? We're going to look first of all at the issue of the stumbling block. We're going to see that in verses 13 through 16. Then we're going to talk about kingdom values. There's two verses that talk about that in verses 17 through 18. And then verses 19 through 23, we're going to see that there's really a caution for all of us as believers, okay? So let's talk about um, this issue of the stumbling block, okay? 
Once again, Paul calls his readers not to judge each other concerning secondary issues. Okay, remember what I told you? There are primary issues, primary things that we believe that are non-negotiable, such as Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, for everyone's sin. Jesus Christ was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. Jesus Christ is going to return bodily. Notice I use the word bodily, not spiritually, bodily. See, those are all non-negotiables. But then, those are primary issues. Secondary issues are whether or not ladies should wear dresses or can they wear pants to church. Have you been in a church where that was a primary issue? Okay. Here's another one. What kind of Bible you carry? What kind of music you play? Where you eat? What restaurants you frequent at? Do you remember one time when that was a primary issue where you were told you couldn't go to a certain restaurant because they maybe had a bar attached to it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Those are secondary issues. Now, what he's saying here is this. Paul, once again, calls us, don't judge another Christian based on these secondary issues. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now, I, I can almost sense the feeling from all of you, like, well, you know, I don't have that problem, George. If anything, I'm on the opposite end of that. I'm getting judged by other Christians because I don't have a problem about that. I understand that. But here's the point. You at least know in the scripture, as believers, we are called not to do that. We're not to engage in that kind of behavior. But you might actually engage in it more than you realize. What do you mean, George? Well, he's actually going to, he uses it one word in one of these verses. The issue is drinking. Some of you feel very strongly and adamantly Nobody should drink, period, biblically. Okay, fine, that's okay. Some of you, though, feel that you're okay so long as you don't get drunk. The primary issue is don't get drunk. That's forbidden in Scripture. So the issue of whether or not you can have a glass of wine with a meal, or drink a beer, or whatever, that, that really is a secondary issue. That's something you have to become convinced in your own mind about. But what can happen is, is that you can actually get to the place where you judge another Christian whether or not they engage in that activity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So once again, he's calling his readers not to judge each other concerning secondary issues. Here's the other thing. We should be determined not to do anything that would cause others to stumble. So the next thing he's going to say here is this. First thing, don't judge other people concerning secondary issues. Second thing, make sure that what you're engaged in doesn't cause somebody else to have a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you may be at a level of maturity where you say to yourself, it's okay for me to do this, but the problem is, is your involvement in it may actually be harmful to somebody else. 
do you understand what I'm saying? It may actually be harmful to somebody else. Remember last week I gave you the illustration about the, the drinking issue? And I said to you, I have a conviction about that. My conviction is actually from studying the scripture, and it's this, that it's okay for you to drink alcohol if you want, if you feel that's okay with you and the Lord. The issue is, don't get drunk. That, flat out, is forbidden. Old Testament, New Testament. Now, I told you, though, that even though I had that conviction, I don't drink. And here's why I don't drink. A couple of big reasons. Number one big reason is I grew up in the home of an alcoholic. And I also know my own addictive tendencies. And that if I went that, I would have a tendency to go there myself. So I don't want to do that. I know myself. Number two. The other thing is I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, I have lots of people from various backgrounds underneath me in the church that I'm serving. Some of them struggle with what? Alcoholism. Now, if they see George, if they walk into uh, Danny's Beer Barrel and Pub, and I'm chewing, they, and they expect me to be whopping down a burger, okay? But I've got a beer in my hand, too. What do you think is going to happen with them? A crisis of belief. Did you understand what I'm saying? There's going to be a crisis in their life if they see me sucking down a brew. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the point that Paul's making here. See, you may have freedom, but you need to decide in your life. And look, and for everyone here, it's a different issue. You feel you have freedom in an area where somebody else says, no, you don't have freedom, or they can't handle you having freedom in that area. Now, when I'm talking about freedom in an area, I'm not talking about sin. There's no freedom to sin where God flat out says, don't do these things. But in areas where he doesn't say, don't do these things, it's a question of where you're at in your relationship with God and whether or not you have freedom to do that. It's an issue of your conscience. So what Paul's coming along and saying here is, is look, don't judge anybody else, but you who are engaged in that, make sure that your engagement in that activity is not going to hurt somebody else. That's reality. Yes, a hand in the back. Okay, you're bringing up legalism and you're asking, is there a fine line and is it based on motive? Okay. Legalism is this. Legalism is based on a secondary issue and primary it's based upon who is the most influential person in that church. It may be a group of people maybe a pastor. And he comes to a certain conviction about a secondary issue. So let's take, for instance, eating in a restaurant that has a bar in it. That used to be forbidden. Oh, better yet, I'll go to one that nobody even pays attention to anymore. Don't go to the movie house. Do you remember that one? Okay. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Legalism is my imposing my value my abusing my position on a value and making everybody else do that. That's what legalism is, okay? It's my imposing a value on everybody else and making them conform to that, to that issue. 
What we're talking about here is completely different. What we're talking about here is, is you understanding your freedom. That yes, you are free to go to the movie house. Okay? You're free to go to that restaurant. But for the sake of someone else, you curtail your freedom. Do you understand what I'm saying? You decide, I'm not going to engage in that while I'm with brother so-and-so. I'm not going to talk about it in front of them because I know they can't handle it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's you putting the need of somebody else above your own freedom. That's really what the issue is here. That's not legalism. That's really called love. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's called love. Like, so for instance, if you're out and your buddy says to you, I'm going on a diet this week, I'm going to do the whatever, you know, the uh, no-carb, you know, whatever diet, no-carb diet, okay, and, and you work with him and you're like, okay, all right. But you decide, hey, I can eat donuts. And you buy two dozen at a time and have them just sitting in a truck and it's wafting out, you know, and you're just munching on them while he's driving trying to do a no-carb diet? That's not love. That's not caring for your buddy, is it? That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about you deciding, yeah, you can have your donut, but don't eat your donut in front of your friend. He can't handle it. That's not legalism. That's called love. Do you understand? That's, that's called love. That's a difference here that he's talking about. He's not talking about all of us being legalistic. It's, it's like this. I'll, I'll put it another way. Let's take the drinking issue. And so you have a family gathering, and you invite a friend. But normally at your family gathering, you have wine with the meal. But the friend you invite, you know, is a, is a recovering alcoholic, and he can't handle it. It's, it's saying, you know what, we have freedom to drink wine. We'll drink wine at another family gathering, but we got our, our, our brother so-and-so here. We're just going to forget about the wine today for him. Now, somebody said, well, you know, he can just deal with it. No. This is what Paul's calling us to do, is to put the need of somebody else before our own. This is what, this is what the issue is here, okay? We should be determined not to do anything that would cause others to stumble. Paul states that he is convinced that there is no food that's unclean. So, he's getting ready to get into this discussion about meat offered to idols. And his whole, whole point is, is when it comes to these secondary issues, he, especially with him as the secondary issue of food, there's nothing that's unclean. So for some people, there are certain food that they, if, especially if they come to a conviction before the Lord that there are certain things they can't eat, that's okay. For them, that's the issue. But for everybody else, it's okay. It's okay. Man, I am so glad of that. I'm glad that my daughter Madison does not dictate what we can eat in our home. She does not eat fish. She does not eat venison. Wow. How did she come from my house? Did you know what I'm saying? But, so for her, it's unclean. But for the rest of us, hey, God gave us that, gave us that deer that day, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, Paul states that he is convinced that there is no food that's unclean. If one person sees a food as unclean, then it's unclean to that person. Here's the reality. So, 
If a person looks at a secondary issue and says to me, I cannot do this. I cannot hold to that. I cannot believe that. I cannot engage in that. I cannot eat that. Then to him it's unclean. To him it's unclean. You say, I'm having a hard time understanding that. Okay, let's stop for a moment. I've been a believer now 30 years. Okay? I can look back over 30 years, and I can look back to things that I felt very strongly about, strongly about back when I was a young Christian, about what we should and should not do. But now, 30 years later, with maturity, I look at that and I say, wow, I couldn't believe I was that adamant about that. Do, do you ever, do, do, have you ever, are you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I've heard Chuck Swindoll say this. He said when he first went into ministry, he would die on every molehill. But at the end of his ministry now, he said, there's very few things that I would die for. And the ones that he would die for are primary. When you're immature, you would die on every hit, on every, everything is offensive. And to you it is, until you what? Mature. Okay? Until you mature. Now, however, if another Christian has a problem with your food, eating it does not express love. So again, he's going back to that same point. If, some, if, if Even though you may feel it's okay, if another Christian has a problem with it, because of their immaturity or their lack of understanding or their own personal struggles, then it's not okay for you to engage in that. You know, for their sake, just decide you're not going to do it. Well, you say that just seems like slavery. I'm, 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 in, I'm enslaved to whatever that person thinks. No, it's not slavery. It's called love. Let, let me just stop for a moment. Let's stop for a moment to understand something. There is a difference, just so you understand. There is a difference between somebody who's a legalist and somebody who's a weaker brother. Although it's sometimes somebody says they're the same to a degree, there is a difference between somebody who is judgmental, who doesn't have that problem but just feels like nobody else should do that, and somebody who struggles with the same issue. This Paul's talking about a weaker brother here who struggles with his conscience about being involved in certain activities. So, let's go on. We are not to destroy the conscience of another believer for the sake of our food. If you really want to, you can write this down for the sake of our food. You could, over that our food, you can put our freedom. You're not to destroy the conscience of another believer for the sake of your freedom. That's just what the reality is. You might say, well, you know, George, this is so immature. I can do whatever I want. I got freedom in Jesus. Yeah, you're right. You can. But is it beneficial? Because you got freedom, but the question is, is are you being selfish or are you concerning for others? The Bible calls us to be concerned about what? Others. Okay? To be concerned about others. So now, he um, he gives this testimony. We are to consider our good actions so that they are not spoken of as evil. So we need to we need to give thought to how we live our lives. The problem is is we most of us don't give any thought to how we live our lives, especially as we interact with somebody who maybe has a problem with something we're doing. 
And we just go with the flow and let the chips fall where they may. And the reality is, is you really need to think about how you live your life in front of other people. You need to really think about it. Listen, here's the thing. People who, I'll give something that maybe people can relate to. If you have somebody who has addictive issues in your family, you've learned that sometimes there's certain things you can't do for their sake, right? And so for their sake, you curtail those issues. You you could do them, but the problem is you're going to create a problem for them. This is what he's talking about here. You need to consider. You need to consider your good actions so they're not spoken of as evil. Now, here's where he comes into the kingdom values. Paul stresses that the kingdom of God is not about our freedom to eat and drink. This is really not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about your freedom in Jesus to do whatever you want to do. That's really what it's not about. It's not about you doing whatever you want to do, your freedom to drink, your freedom to eat, your freedom to do whatever you want to do. That's not what Christianity is about. What's Christianity about? Serving others. Did you understand what I'm saying? Serving others. Edifying others. Building others up. People coming to Christ so that they can serve others as well. The kingdom of God is about righteousness as well as peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about righteousness. It's about having a right standing with God. It's about peace. Having there being peace with you and God. And about joy in the Lord. Right, here's the thing. You may enjoy that activity that you're engaged in. And you say you have freedom to do that. But I'm going to tell you something. You'll find greater joy in your relationship with Jesus than in that activity. Do you know what I'm saying? You'll find greater joy in a right relationship with God. And even in, even in giving up your right to do that, you can find joy in your relationship with the Lord. And that'll be far better than, than, than for us to use the example again, drinking down a beer. Here's the thing. Seeking these things makes us acceptable to God and approved by men. If you and I are seeking righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that's going to make us acceptable to God, and that's going to make us acceptable to men as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? If your motivation is seeking righteousness, a right standing with God, peace with God, and joy in the Holy Spirit, then the, then the questions about whether or not you can engage in a secondary issue are going to really become mute. Because it's really going to be about, I'm seeking after these other things. And if this is causing a problem, I'm not going to have those other things. So here comes the caution for others, okay? Here's the caution for others. Verse 19, we are to pursue things that allow for peace among believers. This is really what the issue is. Folks, I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. There are, there are several things that God wants from his church. One is unity and peace. Look at what he's saying here. We need to pursue things that what? Bring about unity and peace. Bottom line. 
We need to pursue the things that bring about unity and peace. Here's the other one. We're also to pursue things that will edify and build up other believers. We're to pursue things that edify and build up other believers. Okay, let's stop for a moment. All right, look around the room. Everybody look around the room. Just eyeball everybody for a second. Don't don't feel self-conscious, okay, that somebody's looking at you, okay? Because you're looking at them, all right? Everybody recognize here that we're on different levels in our walk with Jesus? Everybody recognize that? Everybody recognize that we all struggle with something? We're not going to list it out. Don't care about that right now. I just want to acknowledge that everybody here wrestles with some issue, right? Or multiple issues. Every one of us needs someone to come alongside of them and to help them, to build them up, to encourage them. In fact, let's just stop with the encouragement thing. You might be doing good this week, but next week you're not doing real good at all. One of the most terrible times for families is actually at holidays. You know that, right? And so maybe you just went through a terrible holiday season. And the next time you come here, you're like just flat out down. And you need somebody who will be sensitive to the Spirit to say, put your arm around them. Encourage them. See, that's what our purpose is here. Our purpose is not just to pursue unity and peace and joy and everything in our midst. Our purpose is to build each other up because we're all at different levels. Everybody understand that? We're all at different levels and we all have different needs, and every one of us needs to be what? Built up. That's really what church is about, is building each other up. So, hey, you know what? I said I, I prayed with the ladies before they went off on their road trip, and they had a great time, and, and who, know, who knows what all they did, but they had a wonderful time shopping up a storm down there in Smicksburg. And I'm... But here's the thing that I saw that was encouraging and the, 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 the stories that I've heard is they got to know each other. And they developed relationships so that, you know what, if one of them gets down, probably somebody else from that group will be there to say, hey, I'll pray for you. I'll be there. Can I pray with you right now? Can I give you a hug? See, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what it's about. So, so here, so let's, let's talk about the caution for others here. Let's keep going on. Paul tells his readers not to destroy the faith of others for the sake of freedom in eating. You know what? Here's the thing. Don't think about what you're doing. Is it really worth it for you to have that moment of whatever in engaging in that activity if you know that what you're doing is going to hurt other people? Let me just stop for a moment. The way we are, that doesn't mean that you've got to stop it completely because we don't see each other every day, every moment, and whatever. So you'll have another opportunity to engage in whatever it is. But when you're with that brother or sister, you're more concerned about their, their growing in maturity than about your freedom. Do you understand? That's really what the issue is here. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're more concerned about them growing in their faith than about your freedom. 
So while all food is pure, it is evil and sin for somebody to stumble because of our freedom. Here's, he, he's just flat out going to say it. Hey, you want to go do your own thing and you don't really care about how it affects somebody else and it causes them to stumble? Well, let me just say this to you. Folks, that's sin. Now you've sinned. It isn't sin to do that activity. It's now sin that you're doing that activity and hurting somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what the sin is. You see, you have freedom. It's okay to have freedom, but your exercise of that freedom is sin if it hurts somebody else. That's what he's talking about here. Okay, you have the freedom, but it's sin if it hurts somebody else. So, he goes on here and says this, true maturity, excuse me, freedom to eat, let me back up one, freedom to eat and drink is not good if it causes another believer to be harmed. So again, he's going to reiterate that point. It's not good if, it, if your freedom is causing another believer to be harmed. So now he talks about true maturity. True maturity is understanding your freedom but not exercising it for the sake of others. That's what true freedom is. That's what true maturity is. True maturity is understanding who you are, what you are in Jesus, the freedoms you have, but not fully exercising it for the sake of other people. That's 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 true maturity. You understand? Yes, Lori. Well, and he said that. Remember the last lesson? He told the weaker brother in the earlier parts of chapter 14, don't uh, judge, don't judge the, the stronger brother. Stronger brother, don't despise the weaker brother. Weaker brother, don't judge the stronger brother. There needs to be some mutual things going on there. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, you have to come to a place where you have, you come to that understanding. And and sometimes that comes through interaction with people. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Here, here, let me just stop for a moment. I think the, the the more mature you get, the more you realize you don't know it. When you're immature, you think you know it. But what happens is, is if you are teachable, somebody who's maybe a little bit more mature, but it's not engaging in the activity that you got a problem with, can come alongside of you and talk with you and help you to understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? So remember I told you that 30 years ago I was pretty adamant about some things. Now I look at it and say, holy cow, what in the world was I? Okay. Do you want to know how I got there? Mature people came alongside of me. They didn't engage in those activities, but they came alongside of me and told me, what's more important? What's more important? Sometimes you have to be told what's more important. Did you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes you have to wrestle with things. And I have to be done in a loving way. Do you understand what I'm saying? A loving way. You have to be open. You have to be teachable. If you're not teachable, you're wasting your time. In fact, if you're dealing with somebody who's not teachable, I wouldn't even say go there. Proverbs tells you not to go there. So, that's... Chapter 14. Next week, we're going to talk about the unity of believers. Isn't that interesting? Because now he's going to get into about seeking the good of others, about unity.